Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, I am Travis Vengroff, the producer of the Liberty Podcast and also the White Vault. And today we have with us an actor I've worked with for quite some time. You probably know him as the Hulu guy. Uh, the main character from the Walking Dead video game, uh, one of the char- most of the characters actually in Prototype, and uh, Bluebeard from The Wolf Among Us, a Telltale game. He's also been on a bunch of television shows. He's also been in a bunch of Liberty podcasts and Star Wars Rebels and The Clone Wars, uh, Transformers. He is everywhere, and he has some great wisdom for us today that uh, is really applicable toward making the jump into professional voice acting and what that would look like and kind of what that journey was like for him. So without further delay, here we have Dave Fenoy. Welcome uh, and thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So starting with this, you've you've done a lot of voice acting work. Uh, you've, you've been in everything from Hulu to uh, video games like StarCraft II and uh, The Walking Dead. And, but I understand you got to start in theater. What, what drew you to acting to begin with? Uh, actually, my parents, uh, they, when I was a little kid, they wanted to introduce me to the arts. And uh, there's, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and there's a community, uh, well, not just theater, but a, a community spot called Caramu House. I'm assuming that it's still there. I have not heard that it is gone. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if if you ever see a black actor on television or in the movies, chances are, if they're from Cleveland, chances are they went through Caramu House. Well, I went to Caramu House. Uh, they sent me. I took modern dance. I took music lessons. Uh, I did art. Uh, and I did theater. And the theater uh, and the music uh, and the art for a while kind of stuck. And uh, so when I went to high school... Uh, I was still interested in theater, became president of my uh, theater society there and directed some plays and acted in some plays and went off to college as a theater major at McAllister College uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, mm-hmm. and did theater there for a couple of years before I uh, dropped out and went on the road as a musician, which I was also doing uh, for a couple of years. And I went back to school uh, in jazz studies, uh, with a, a major in, in jazz music and a minor in guitar at Howard University. And uh, once completing that, um, got married, moved to California, realized I wasn't going to grow up to be a rock and roll star after all, and went into radio uh, because that would keep me close to music. Did that for uh, a decade or so. 
uh, in San Francisco, had a successful career as morning jock and a couple of stations there, KDIA and KSOL, and uh, discovered voiceover at the same time. And I'd kind of gotten to the point where, uh, you know, conflicts with sales departments and uh, program directors who didn't like my sense of humor uh, <laughs> and that kind of thing. Uh, I said, you know, uh, I'm not going to want to spin hits for teeny boppers forever. This voiceover thing looks pretty cool. Let me uh, let me uh, approach that. And it kind of brought me back to uh, theater in some ways because uh, you know when you're a disc jockey on the on the air, you're you're playing this character here. How you how you doing? Uh, I was working under the name Billy David Ocean. Billy David Ocean getting you up and on your way. 107.7 KSOL. And um, uh, but when you you uh, take on voiceover, now you're doing commercials, you're doing TV promos, you're doing cartoons, you're doing. Well, at the time I didn't know about video games. This is 1990. It really wasn't a thing uh, then <laughs> as far as voiceover work. Uh, but I liked the idea of the variety of things I could do in voiceover, the narration, the TV promos, the cartoons, uh, the commercials. And uh, so I dove right in and uh, moved to Los Angeles and uh, and the rest is history. So um, what do you remember what your first uh, voice acting gig was? Was it for the radio? Well, my very first voice acting gig was I was still living in the Bay Area. Uh, and it was for some buddies of mine. They had a band, uh, Okisha Paradox. And uh, it was uh, three brothers and a white boy playing drums, which sounds a little backwards. It just, you, you think the brother would be <laughs> yeah. playing the drum. Um, and, but they were playing this hybrid rock, reggae, Celtic, uh, uh, spiritual, one-world thing. And... Um, they wanted a commercial. They had cut a record, and they wanted a commercial for it. And they wanted a Jamaican thing, so I did it. Okisha Paradox. You know, <laughs> just your average... I forget what the verbiage was, but uh, that was the first thing I did. Uh, and at the time, I was very new in radio. And I went, wow, you know, this is kind of cool. And uh, as I started knocking on uh, voiceover doors, uh, I used that and... Some of the uh, very awful uh, uh, retail spots that I'd done on the radio to put my first demo together, which uh, when I went to see my first agent, uh, she kind of shook her head and said, well, one, it's too long, which was five minutes, and and uh, <laughs> get rid of this local uh, retail stuff. You need national stuff on there. So uh, I came back six months later with a shortened and revised uh, demo, and that really got me started. But I did some other things. I was looking for uh, my own work at the time. I was the voice of, uh, this was back when the 976 numbers were out there. Uh, we're talking 80s. Uh, okay. I, I was the voice of the Prince and the Michael Jackson hotlines where you'd call up. And I'd give you all the latest news oh. on Prince and Michael Jackson. Man, you won't believe what Michael Jackson's up to now. And, that'll... and the Prince thing was a little cooler. You won't you know. Prince is doing all this and he's doing that, and yeah, he still wears high heels, but he's doing it, man. You know, just whatever, whatever was was in the news on them. And then there was a uh, there was a romance line for the ladies. They could call up, and 
I would be telling a story about how I saved them. They were in danger. And of course, at the end, there's a love scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's really that's a crazy story. Oh man, it's nuts. So with with that, um, you're describing like uh, that. That almost sounds like performance right there. Uh, and from live performance and you know live music, there's a certain feeling and an allure. Uh, do you feel that way uh, with the traditional voice acting work that you do? That they're both equally gratifying, or is it a different sort of gratification uh, without the I live element? Find uh, what I do very gratifying. Um, I, I love the variety of the things that I get to do. Uh, I really love playing characters in video games. I love playing characters in cartoons. Um, I, I love it. You know, people ask me, well, is there one thing you like more than another? Um, no, if I'm doing a narration uh, for Science Channel or National Geographic or something, um, part of the joy is learning something. Uh, generally, you, you're doing a, a narration about something you didn't know about. Uh, so not only do, do you get to share that information and be that performer that you are, but wow, oh, I didn't know that was good. So that's a little inside voice. Wow, that's kind of cool. Huh? Oh, they do that <laughs> now. Oh, wow. Um, so I love it all. And I, I'm as excited uh, when my agent sends me an email or calls me up and says, uh, I've got the booking. I'm as excited now as I was the first time. That's fantastic. And speaking of agents, so you mentioned your first agent. How did you start finding an agent or go about finding an agent? And is it the same way, you know, today? It was back in the old days before they had that uh, interweb net thing, whatever you kids call it. Um, you know, I uh, it, it was funny, my introduction to voiceover. Um, I was writing commercials for a radio station and uh, working in their continuity department and working part-time at another station on the weekends. And uh, the morning guy got off, and he was leaving, and we were kind of buddies. And, hey, where are you going, man? He goes, hey, I'm going over to the city, because we were in Berkeley. I'm going over to the city to do some voiceover work. I make more money at that than I do uh, on the radio. And it, like, boom, a light <laughs> light went off. And he gave me a lowdown. I says, well, you got to put the demo tape together. you got to get an agent. And then you got to do the audition. you got to go over there and do the auditions. And, and that's how you get in. Well, um, he told me who his agent was. And I, you know, looked in the yellow pages because we had this big book back in the day. <laughs> yeah. It came the in white. Yeah, it came in white and it came in yellow. And you could flip through alphabetically and find things you wanted. Uh, so I found talent agents and I... I found, uh, uh, I think it was the Look Agency there, um, and uh, that was uh, Joan Spangler, and she's still around in San Francisco. Uh, called her up, and uh, I didn't get to talk with her, but her assistant told me, yeah, you got to get that demo together, uh, send it in, and we'll take a listen. Well, I did that, sent it in, and I expected, you know, end of week, two weeks at the most, I would hear something, but no. Uh, so um, three weeks go by, I call, and they're like, uh, yeah, we got it. Uh, we'll get back in touch with you. Goodbye, click. And this went on for <laughs> a number of weeks and months of, yeah, we got it. We'll get back to you. Click. Um, she'll call you when she's ready. Click. And five, Six months. months. Yeah, it was six months. Uh, wow. Six months later, uh, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I called them. They didn't call me. I called, she, oh, yeah, uh, Joan uh, mentioned if you called, because uh, I guess she knew I was going to call. Um, you know, you can come in next week at such and such a time. I went in. 
Um, she put the demo on, listened to her. She said, well, you know, you're really talented, but uh, this demo is too long. And, you know, get rid of these local uh, retail spots. Uh, at that time, uh, demo should have been three minutes. Mine was five. Is that still true for today? Three minutes? Is oh, that no, a- no, no, no. Our attention spans have gotten much shorter. Now they're 60 <laughs> seconds. And as a matter of fact, you can have some specialized demos that are like 15, 20 seconds for specific markets like uh, the medical market or or mm. the uh, or uh, uh, tech uh, or something like that. Some some specialized area that uh, you know people don't want to listen to. They, they don't have time. God, God I'm going to waste two minutes on that. Oh my God! Uh, think about it. You're on Facebook and you see an article. It's something you're interested in, but uh, if the if it's a, a, a something to read. Now they put how long it'll take you to read. I've noticed that. They'll say, oh, this is a three-minute read, a seven-minute read, a ten-minute read. Uh, if you're going to play a video you like, you know, uh, I mean, you hit it and you can say, oh, man, that's five minutes. I just don't have time for that. If they could have only done it in 60 seconds. Um, so they've gotten shorter. They've gotten shorter. They're down to a minute long now, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, down the road they even get a little shorter. So you sent your your three minute demo in, and then you listened to it with her. You're, you're no, I sent my five minute demo. Five, in. sorry, five, five minute demo. demo. And uh, listened to it with her. But when I when I went back with the three minute demo, they signed me right away, and uh, I I booked the first thing I did, which was uh, a California. It was a California lottery spot. Okay, and was that a that was a across the entire state or for a specific region? Oh, it was across the entire state. It was across the wow. entire state. That's I, a great. I'm, spot. I'm sure someplace I've I've got a copy of that thing. I just don't know where it is now. Uh, there was another spot I did. I became the voice of uh, Marine World Africa USA concert series, and I did a couple other commercials for them. Uh, one of which won a Golden Prawn Award. Uh, yeah, I know, weird sounding, uh, but it was an advertising award for various. Uh, 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 works in ad in work advertising in the Bay Area, and I, I won this award. I didn't go to the ceremony, um, and uh, I thought, well, they'll they'll send it to me in the mail, and I said, well, yeah, we'll happy to send it to you. Uh, send us two hundred bucks <laughs> to release the. I never sent in the two hundred bucks, so I someplace there's a golden prawn award collecting dust in a warehouse in San Francisco with my name on it. Well, so that's that was a pretty cool story. Do people still find agents the same way, or is it more of a, a digital way now, I guess? Well, you know, uh, there's so many people interested in voiceover now. When I got into the market, um, there weren't nearly as many people, but uh, there weren't nearly as many microphones and uh, access to uh, the Internet. I mean, that just didn't exist. Uh, but now, if you got a Mac, a microphone, and a high-speed Internet connection... Uh, you can claim that you're a voice actor. And uh, we have the advent now of the pay-to-play sites, the voices.com, the voices123, and so forth and so on, um, which has democratized uh, the ability for you to work, whether you're in the, in the, the union or not, or whether you have an agent or not. Uh, but it has also driven the price of work down. Um mm-hmm. So it's, you know, on one hand, uh, you have a better chance of getting some work. On the other hand, because, uh, you know, people are not going necessarily to union agents and through the the union, um, what you can make 
on especially commercials uh, has been severely uh, lessened. Gotcha. From your perspective, uh, speaking of unions, how important are they uh, or helpful are they in this day and age? Well, I, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the unions. On one hand, uh, I, I, the very best work still comes through unions. Uh, it's great to have a partner to collect money for you uh, when clients don't want to collect or don't want to pay uh, or are slow in paying. Uh, I love the fact that uh, I have affordable health care and pension through the union. That is huge. Now, when I joined the union, if you once you made a certain amount of money, your health care was free. It's more expensive than that now. Now it's uh, several hundred dollars uh, per quarter. But uh, when you hear about people paying several hundred dollars per month, or as much as a thousand dollars per month, um, it, it's, it's a bonus to be a union member. Uh, now, that said, on the other side, with any bureaucracy, uh, some things are going to be kind of slow. And um, the union has kind of been behind uh, how fast technology was changing. Uh, when we were negotiating gotcha. for uh, various payments, um, they were a little late realizing how big cable was going to get. Then they were a little late realizing how big DVDs were going to get. Well, by the time we got the DVD contract, DVDs are no longer a thing. Uh, everything's a, a download now. So um, that is less a problem with the union itself and more an issue with uh, bureaucracies of all kinds. Bureaucracies move slow. Okay. Would you say it's imperative to be part of a union if you're trying to make voice acting a, uh, a part of your career? I don't know if I would say it's imperative to be part of a union when you're starting. It's imp- I, I think it's a good idea to make that a goal and ultimately become a union member, uh, okay. however, however you want to work. Uh, and there's, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, there's lots of non-union work out there. Uh, once again, specifically through the pay-to-play sites. Uh, the Voices One Two Three, the Voices dot com of the world. Uh, so you have an opportunity there. There are people who even start with like Fiverr, um, and you know uh, there'll be a lot of union members that, that yeah. are pissed off at me just because I mention it. Um, but I think every one of us uh, who started at some point, uh, not everything we were doing was uh, union or union sanctioned. Um, you, you've you've Got to walk before you can crawl. I mean, you got to crawl before you you, you walk and run. And, uh, you know, once you're up there and walking and running, that's when you're in the union. But in the meantime, uh, you do things like the Prince hotline and Michael Jackson hotline. <laughs> well, do you so on the, on the same uh, in the same breath, uh, do you feel that agents are like that should be the, the first goal would be to get an agent? I think the first goal should be to get good at what you want to do. Okay. Get a, get an education in it, understand it, uh, get your skills up. Um, you know, t- these days uh, you, you need a website. You need uh, a website that's easy t- for people to, to find you and hear what it is that you do uh, and contact you or your agent. So that would be the thing. First, I would get educated. Uh, I'd get a website. I'd, you have to set up some kind of home studio. That's just the nature of the business these days. Uh, fortunately, uh, the price of equipment is down. Everybody's got a computer. 
now all you need is software, uh, a microphone, and a quiet, uh, non-sound bouncing room uh, to do what you need to do. When I started in the business, my first microphone that I bought was a, a, a Sennheiser 416. Got it used. It was 900 bucks, and that was a deal. You can find decent microphones now for a couple hundred dollars. Um, the, the one I'm talking to you with now, well, can you see that? Uh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yep. That's a little Apogee, uh, which I use for travel. Uh, now, in my booth, uh, I have a wonderful collection of mics. I still have that same 416, uh, but I've added uh, a Neumann TLM uh, 170, a 103. I've got a U87. I've got a U67. I have a Mojave uh, something or other. Uh, some other mics of better or lesser quality and different name brands, uh, AKG uh, 214 and whatnot. So I have a collection, but we're talking about... 27 years of doing this. Um, and so I, I, I tell people, look, just don't get hung up on your microphone. Just get <laughs> a, a decent mic. A lot of people do. Oh, yeah, I just don't sound right on this mic. No, it's not the mic. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the golfer or the tennis player. You miss the shot and you look at your racket or your golf club. I'm throwing this guy. Um, get this together. Get, th- get this performance together. Uh, we are a society now that uh, we tolerate uh, imperfect sound and imperfect video, especially imperfect video. Sound's got to be better than the video does has to be. But if you've got a, a clean uh, chain uh, for recording, it almost doesn't matter what my... If they're going to pull you into the studio, they're going to mix it anyway. You're probably sending... Uh, raw files, they're going to equalize it the way they want. They're going to sweeten it. They're going to do the things they need to do. All you need to do is get a clean signal of your wonderful performance to them. That's the most important thing, and any decent mic is going to do that. So you mentioned really quickly education. When you said get an education, do you mean like a, a business-savvy education? Do you mean like a uh, an acting uh, class specifically or a workshop, for instance? Or I would, I would talk about workshops and private lessons and voiceover. And uh, there are any number of places. I mean, I teach. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I'm starting a thing tonight, uh, a voiceover workout group, which I do live and in person uh, or have done for years. I'm going to do one online. Uh, I teach, I had a narration webinar, video game webinar, TV promo webinar, how to read copy in general webinar. I travel uh, around the country and the world uh, doing a two-day workshop voice acting for video games. Um, And uh, in November, a buddy of mine, Bill DeWeese, and I are going to do a two-day event here in Los Angeles. So I do a fair amount of teaching. Uh, I am quick to say, uh, although I think I'm a wonderful teacher, there are other really good teachers out there, um, but get educated. I would also suggest that people who are interested in voiceover um, join one of the voiceover groups. Uh, There's a ton of them on Facebook. Uh, This can be a very solitary business. Uh, Anytime you are auditioning, uh, you're you're going to book so few uh, jobs per how many times you audition that it, it, can, yes. it can 
feel like, oh man, am I ever going to work? Uh, I had a job a month ago. What's happening? It, it can be discouraging. And it helps to have people um, that you know that are going through the same thing and can tell you their story of, yeah, when I got started, I wasn't working, and then I got this. And then, you know, people think sometimes that, uh, uh, you're an overnight sensation when you've suddenly you've booked this and now some people know who you are. But most people have been working hard for a long time uh, to be that overnight sensation. So a couple more quick questions. Um, how did you make the jump from uh, part-time actor to full-time, like mental shifting for you? Like when did you say, I'm going to, to become a voice actor full-time? That first gig was really good. Or... Well, I had been a, a disc jockey, like I say, in San Francisco. I was working at KSOL, Billy David Ocean, 107.7 KSOL. Uh, I was doing that. I was a morning jock. And I had told myself uh, that as soon as I was making as much money in voiceover as I was in the radio, I would switch over to voiceover. I'd give up the radio thing. Well, um, we make plans and God laughs. Uh in February 1990, uh, uh, a new uh, consultant came in, fired the whole staff. One by one, as we ended our shifts, we were fired. Well, um, I had taken a workshop, and once again, remember I was talking about people taking workshops, learning. I had taken a workshop uh, with a woman, Samantha Paris, in Northern California, who still teaches up there. Uh, and she had brought up an agent from Los Angeles who had given me her card and said, look, you're very talented. If you ever want to uh, do this in L.A., we'd love to represent you uh, at our talent agency. And uh, so once I got fired, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> where's that card? I know I put it here someplace. Ah! Found it, called her, uh, asked her if she was serious. She said yes, put together a new demo, and come on down. Well, that was in February I spoke with her. It took me till May. To get there, and I that's that's when I decided uh, voiceover is what I'm going to do. Uh, I had a house in Berkeley, uh, wife and child, and uh, I couldn't just pick up and leave. So for eight months, I drove back and forth between Los Angeles and wow. and uh, the Bay Area. So I'd, I'd be leaving on a Sunday night or early Monday morning. Uh, I stayed with an uncle for a month. I stayed with a buddy of mine for a month. Then I rented an apartment that I shared with another guy doing the same thing uh, for a few months. Uh, and it took a while before, took that eight months, before I could move my family down, buy a little house in Pasadena. And uh, by that time, my career had picked up. I, I was very lucky. I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time. But my career took off pretty quickly uh, compared to a lot of people. Um, I very quickly started doing promos. Uh, I was a voice for the WB, for CBS, for ABC. Uh, I was a booth announcer uh, later with Greg Kinnear and some other things. Uh, I had a couple cartoon series. I was doing some commercials. Uh, now, I did have a drop-off. I mean, it was like success came quickly. And then the recession hit, uh, the recession at the end of uh, 1990. And uh, I didn't work for a while, and I had to get a part-time job on the radio, uh, which turned into a full-time job. I was doing uh, mornings on a jazz station. 
uh, you know, uh, uh, Jazz FM. And uh, yeah, hi, I'm Dave Fenoy. This is Jazz FM. And I was a morning jock again. And and I uh, loved that gig. That was a really cool gig. Uh, but after a couple of years of that, I was back to doing well enough in voiceover. And as radio stations are wont to do, uh, the owner of the station lost his mind. And I went, you know what? I don't need this BS. I'm out of here. And uh, quit. And I've been doing uh, voiceover full-time ever since. For someone who is transitioning or making that jump or looking to make that jump. Are we jump, talking transgender? Uh, no, not that one. Not that one. The uh, the voice acting one. The uh, switching from... Don't tell Trump on uh, you. Uh, so jumping into uh, voice acting financially, um, is there a specific medium that you think is uh, better to target than others? Uh, you know, podcasting, video games, books on tape, movies, commercials, or any... Uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't talk about podcasting because I don't know how y'all make money doing it. Well, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Um, you know, I, I I don't do so much podcasting. I do. I have a Wednesday free. They uh, uh, ask Dave Fenoy anything. I do on Wednesdays at six o'clock. Uh, but uh, we're talking about making money. That doesn't make me any money, but it does. It's a real good give back. Um, I where most people are uh, opening doors in voiceover right now seems to be audiobooks. Uh, because there are just zillions and zillions of books that uh, people want to experience but don't have time to read, man. I'm in my car, can't read now. Just put plug it in, let me hear it, dude. So there's lots of... Uh, That's me, I regret to say, too. Well, you know what? I, I, I was teasing about it, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Um, the only constant is change, and typically uh, people uh, are... You know, if they get nostalgic and they're thinking about the good old days. Well, I don't know. I, I had some fun in the good old days, but I look forward to the good new days, the good new technologies, the good new open minds and experiences. And uh, I, I think we're living in a much better time now uh, than not. I think there's a big backlash to uh, the number of people who are now um, – uh, fully uh, participating in in our culture and our society uh, that gave us uh, the pol- political landscape we've got right now. But um, that said, I, I kind of welcome the change. Uh, so audiobooks seem to be that was where we were. Audiobooks seem to be the area that most people are going into. I've I've done three, hope to never do a fourth, uh, but. People who do it and love it, God bless them. Uh, I I was doing promos for ABC once, walked in, they said, here's your script. It's one word. Yeah, say it. Next. Get out of here. <laughs> they put it on a bunch of spots, and a couple weeks later, I had a check for five grand from one word. So That's a great word, Ray. <laughs> that, that always comes to mind when I think about audiobooks that pay you – you know, anywhere from seventy-five to two or three hundred dollars per finished hour, but it's going to take you three or four hours per finished hour. And on the low end, you're you're getting down to you know twenty bucks an hour. On the high end, well, maybe you're getting sixty or seventy. Uh, but that's still a lot less than I make per hour with everything else. So um, I think people should do what it is that, A, they have a talent for and what they really enjoy. 
The reason I don't do audiobooks, I don't really enjoy that long-form narration. I love to read, um, you know, actual books, uh, not necessarily uh, narrating them out loud. That's not to say I don't like narration. I love narration. I just love shorter-form narration where I'm, you know, doing a nature show or a science show or uh, that, that kind of thing. So unknowingly, uh, some of the people you've code star with in our podcast are uh, long, long form narrators uh, from the No Sleep uh, podcast, which uh, narrates basically stories that are uh, anywhere from twenty minutes to two hours in length that are kind of fun. So it's I can definitely see the the difference, though it makes a lot of sense. And once again, uh, some of my best friends are audiobook narrators. <laughs> um, you know, my buddy Scott Brick. I mean, he is the king of audiobooks. He loves it, and he will be the first to tell you, if you want to do audiobooks, you really need to love the idea of being in a closet for eight hours a day uh, <laughs> of reading, reading that book. Um, now, he gets somebody else to uh, edit for him. Uh, I, I don't want anybody to hear my mistake, so... <laughs> <laughs> when I do it, when I have done it, I always edit myself. <laughs> They'll never know I made a mistake. So, you never make mistakes ever. No, that's, no, not me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fun, fun aside question. Um, everyone usually in their home studio has like a sound, like it's either a plane or a train or something. Is there anything that, that has ever graded you in a similar way that was just always nearby? Well, well not, not always nearby, but uh, uh, there are leaf blowers that from time to time. I live in a nice, quiet neighborhood. Uh, but you know, occasionally trucks roll by, uh, and the, yep, but the yep. biggest issue I have is the dryer. When the oh, oh. if the dryer is on, there's a low rumble, uh, and you know sometimes uh, yeah, the wife puts uh, something in the dryer, and you know she's not thinking, I'm not thinking, and uh, you know you go in the studio and you forgot, you know you get kind of used to the sound without uh, thinking about oh the dryer's on. And Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park and you uh, hit record and you see the, you know, oh yeah, wow, the the little line has gotten thicker. Oh, that's the dryer. <laughs> uh, so I either have to wait until uh, the clothes are dry or, or go. Hey, he's gonna stay in here for a while. I'm closing this out. I gotta, but you know, not. Oh, my dogs. I got dogs, you're, you're... and one of them uh, likes to come down and hang with me sometimes. Uh, but then uh, she also likes to go outside. And uh, if there's something outside and, and it disturbs her, she starts barking. Well, I have a whisper room, but a whis- nothing is going to insulate you from the sound of your dog barking 20 feet away. Nope, nope, nope. What, what, um, so shifting gears here real quickly, um, what advice would you give to uh, amateur directors when dealing with actors? Because uh, you have a lot of advice for actors, but... Um, I guess sometimes directors hearing something from someone who's been poorly directed perhaps a couple of times or well-directed. <laughs> um, I have a few annoyances. One, uh, don't give me a line read. Uh, don't start off with a line read. If there, if you have something that's just in your head, in your head, in your head, and I'm nowhere near it, uh, okay, fine. I, I'll take it after a couple of takes. Uh, but don't don't read the line first. Uh, it's, you know, you, you hired me. I just had a gig like that. And the guy was good. He he wasn't a bad director. Um, but there came a point where he was, uh, you know, he was doing more acting than it was like, I don't, please don't do that. Um, and keep your, uh, keep your direction short. 
the shorter you can make your direction, the better. Too often, uh, directors in trying to come up with um, the scenarios of of how they want you to do this read will go on and on and on with story and story and story. And that first thing they said was just what you needed. And now you've you've lost that, and you've lost the train, you've lost that this the moment you were in where out it was about to come. So you want to keep your direction as brief as possible. Okay. And what advice would you give uh, similarly to a casting director or someone who's been now suddenly put in the seat of a casting director? Uh, what should they look for in a performance when they're listening to four or five different people who sound maybe the same or similar or slightly different? Who do they believe? Okay, so that's the question that they should be asking themselves is who do they believe the most? Yeah, who do, who do you believe? Uh, it's not about what your voice sounds like. We we go through that all the time. Oh, he has such a wonderful voice. Well, if you believe the character, uh, it's not about a wonderful voice. It's about a, a voice that connects, um, uh, that character that connects. Um, a lot of times people are, uh, as a matter of fact, people with the most beautiful voices often are some of the worst actors because they're so busy listening to their voice. I sound so wonderful. Ah, listen to me. It's absolutely amazing. And um, and, and so instead of connecting here and here in your head and your heart, you're busy connecting with your your voice. And that's that's not what it's all about. The other thing is taking the words off the page. Uh, we have a tendency, well, we have a tendency when we read uh, to say those words that we're reading in a different way than we say them. Uh, and the written word is the best approximation we have of human speech, but it's not human speech. So don't read the words, read the phrases. Uh, and that transaction from looking at the those words and phrases on paper into your eyes, uh, your brain telling you what's supposed to come out, how it's supposed to sound, and then coming out uh, has to happen like that. And the only way it really does is to, the word's only there to remind you what you're saying. You're either very familiar with the words, as you can do with a commercial, as you can do with a narration, or you have to kind of be an instant method actor uh, in video games because the first time you see those words are when you're doing the performance. Hmm. That's uh, that's really good advice. Um, so uh, now on, we're sort of in the acting side. Uh, so beyond education, what would you say is the most important tool for an actor to have uh, after, you know, the education side of it? Um, I think you have to be a great observer. Uh what do people actually sound like, look like, speak like? Um, you have to use all the forms of communication at your disposal, which means all the nonverbals. Uh, you have to trust that the things that they don't see uh, in your body motion uh, will still translate because they do. Uh, you know, voiceover 101, if you want to sound like you're smiling, smile. Well, the, the, the same thing holds true with other things. And we, we communicate so much with how we breathe, with a sigh, 
uh, with, you know, the sarcasm in our voice or the, 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 the fear in our voice, all of those things. It's not about making the words sound good. It's not about the sing song of, 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 uh, of, of our message. It's about really connecting as one individual to another. And that is across the board. I mean, well, there are some different techniques for different genres of voiceover, but it's always a conversation. You're always talking to somebody. And are these sort of topics that you go into in your uh, acting workshops? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> what, are, what are some other ones that you would say uh, that you go into as well? Um, well, we, we talked about reading the phrases, not the words. Um, scenarios. Very rarely are we just talking like you and I are in front of the microphone. Um, usually we're doing something. Uh, say you're doing a commercial, you're a mom. Uh, well, what is mom doing while she's saying these things? Moms are always busy. So, you know, mom's Absolutely. cooking, mom's putting stuff away. She's doing the dishes. She's, uh, you know, calling the dog. Think think about your, your inner dialogue. You're out on a date with somebody and, you know, you took her out to dinner. Oh, yeah, it's so nice to have you here. Well, I've been trying to get together with you for a while and I hope you like the restaurant, you know. Uh, uh, order anything you like, you know, it's all on me, da 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 Well, that's what you're saying to her. Meanwhile, you're thinking, damn, she looks good. I wonder if I'm going to get lucky tonight. Is she that kind of girl? You know, all those kinds of things. Meanwhile, she's going, he seems okay. I avoided him for weeks, but okay. He does kind of look nice in that suit. <laughs> and you're incredibly visually animated as you're, as you're saying all these things as well. Your body informs your voice. Uh, so, yeah, use your body. How are you going to, I'm just going to stand like this and talk. That's, that's the way it's going to come out. That's the way it's going to come out. So where, where can we find your courses and sign up uh, if, for those who are interested? Uh, DaveFenoyTraining.com uh, is, uh, is a list of things that are going on. Uh, depending on what city you're in, uh, I'm going to be in Seattle. Oh, when is when am I in Seattle? Uh, I think September. I'm going to be... Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to be, I should pull up my calendar. They're all on your website, though? They're on my website. Uh, and I'm doing webinars if you go to Dave. And you can buy uh, recordings of webinars that I've done. And with all the webinars I do, uh, one of the things I, I uh, created was uh, flies on the wall. So you don't necessarily have to be one of the you know 8 to 12 participants but as a fly on the wall, you pay a whole bunch less, but you get to uh, see and hear everything, and you still have uh, whatever paperwork is involved, whatever the PDF is on that particular subject, you'll get. And you'll also get uh, uh, the opportunity to revisit uh, those, those uh, videos over and over and over and over again. Um, so that's where we could find out. Tonight, starting at uh, uh, 6.30 p.m., Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing, um, what I, it's a voiceover workout group. And the idea of that is to one, help one another with our reads. It's less, uh, my teaching, although I will be, it's less that and more getting other voice actors, the voice actors who are participants, uh, to listen and help their fellow voice actors by critiquing their reads uh, and letting them know what they can do to make their reads better. 
with the ultimate idea of, well, we all get better, and B, you develop yourself as a self-director. Because uh, one of the problems I think most voiceover people have as they're getting their career going is uh, doing that audition, listening back, and going, yeah, gee, it just doesn't, doesn't sound quite like I want it to sound. It's not, but not knowing what to do to fix it. This trains you to fix it. And the surprise bonus is that uh, you'll get a chance to to uh, share with your fellow voice actors your successes, your failures, your fears, your hopes, your dreams. Uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of, of uh, group therapy. Is this an in-person thing or is this an online thing? It's an online thing. Uh, okay. Okay. But the full participants, uh, the first part of everything we'll do will be what's going on with you. What's good, what's not so good, uh, you know, uh, how are you feeling, all those kinds of things. one-part therapy. Yeah. And I discovered this completely by accident. In uh, 1991, when I started my first voiceover workout group, I just wanted to get better, get with some people. I wanted to save some money because I'd been taking uh, classes and, you know, you're dropping 400, 500 bucks for these six-week classes, which you need to do. Uh, but uh, by the same token, uh, after a while, you you know, hey, you know, I need to find a cheaper way to stay um, fresh with what I'm doing. So I got together with some other voice actors whose ears I trusted, uh, and a variety of us. It wasn't all black guys with uh, dreadlocks or deep voices. Uh, you know, men, women, uh, Latino, uh, Caucasian, black, whatever. Uh, and we'd get together every couple of weeks, read, copy, and critique one another. And that was what I was looking for. What I discovered was not only that, not only was that great, but the being able in that first few minutes before we got started, talk about the stuff that was going on with us. I mean, you know, the questions uh, beyond uh, psychological questions, oh yeah, what kind of, you know, what kind of mixer do you use? What, what do you record with? What kind of microphone? How close do you get to the microphone? Or are you way back here? Oh, you like those headphones? Well, what do you... All those kinds of things. Anything you want to ask. Where can I find a whisper room? Don't buy it new. Get it online. You know, find a used one. That kind of stuff. That's pretty neat. So, and then there's also, I think, uh, is there uh, Ask Dave Anything Wednesdays? Is that still, it's still a thing? still a thing. Ask Dave Fanoi, uh, you know, Ask Dave Fanoi Anything. It's the Wednesday webinar. Wednesday webinar, Okay. But uh, it all is under the banner of uh, DaveFanoyTraining.com. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I guess uh, it it's fantastic to think that like in two hours you recorded three different seasons of stuff for our podcast and we're, we've been able to work, we've been able to work with you. <laughs> like seriously, you're, I don't know if you even know how many episodes you've been in unless you've checked like your IMDb perhaps, but you've been I, in And I never do. I never do. But you've been in multiple seasons, and uh, it's it's been a, a pleasure to have you on our show as a voice on many shows. And uh, I look forward to working with you again in the future and, and having you also uh, take the time to explain this. Oh, cool. Well, Trav, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Wishing you all the best. Bye, y'all. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.